start the live recording or the recording of us on the OBS. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take that down. Oh yeah, peep the peep the background there. Uh, hold on, where did I, where did it go? I just had it open. Yeah, I guess I closed it. Yeah, my computer's run. Oh, operating a little bit slower than I would like today. So hopefully that doesn't give us any kind of issue. Hopefully. All right. We got a big boy agenda here, Gabe. Yeah, it's kind of, that's what happens when you neglect your problems. Yeah, no shit, man. I got a, got a lot of a lot of stuff on here and got a lot of stuff to do, man. All right. Um, oh, a little staticky. Everybody good? Is everything good? Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to close that because I ain't changing. Oh, hello. It's in front of me, Jacob, you fucking Nimrod. Um, all right. Um, I don't think we're going to roll the, the intro because it's been staticky and fuzzy and it's been bothering me. Uh, we're going to have to find a fix for that. I don't know what the fuck I typed there. Yeah, you you've had um you've had some typos on this agenda. Man. I don't know what I, the fuck to go on. in like an English teacher. And what the fuck? Oh my god, I'm like stuck on stupid right now. Okay, cool. Stuck All right, on stupid. It's my uh, it's my next punk album. Check it out. It'll be live through a what's like a weird label. Uh, it'll be on it'll be on Kazaa. It'll be on uh, good fight music. Good fight music. And it's only on there because you're gonna want to fight me after you hear it. That's fair, man. That's fair. I'm totally. I'm totally with it, and I totally understand that. And... Oh, really quick side note about that uh, Good Fight music label, right? Okay. Um, so I was scrolling through their, like, merch section. Okay. And they have a bunch of, like, records that you can pick up, obviously, right? And they, uh-huh. they have, like, a good good assortment. Um, Like, I want to say, like, maybe 200-ish things for sale. Um, And I thought it was fucking hilarious because the only one of those records that is sold out was uh, the 10th anniversary pressing of Long Live by The Chariot. Everything else was in stock. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, man. Mm, 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 mm. All right, man. Um, I'm ready if you are. Yeah, let's do that. Dang. Do we got to switch the number? Uh, No, the number is correct. It is the correct number. I feel like we've been on 176 for the past three episodes. Well, I just, I don't know, man. It's been fucking two, two, almost two months since we did the last one. We skipped December altogether because reasons. <laughs> I mean, it was Christmas season to be fair. So yeah, well, and well, all the things that we'll talk about once we get the show going. But are you ready? I am indeed ready. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids podcast, episode number 176. One seven six, and we are back from the South Side, Chicago, Illinois. And I know what you guys are thinking. You guys are thinking, "Where the fuck you guys been?" And you'd be right. We've been, we've been gone for a while, as mentioned on the pre-roll. Uh, December is kind of a rough time overall uh, with the holidays and whatnot. Uh, also, I got sick the last uh, two weeks of the year. I had the flu. It wasn't the it wasn't the COVID. It was the flu, and it kicked my fucking ass, bro. Uh, I had a temperature of 102 for a couple of days there. So not fun, not fun. But that will explain the absence and why we haven't been running the show. Uh, so my bad. Sorry, guys. Didn't mean to get sick, but it is what it is. Um, with that being said, you know, I'm, I'm Jacob. And, of course, I have my wonderful, extraordinary co-host, who is... That's me. Oh wow! I've never gotten such a nice intro before. Hi everybody, it's, yeah. it's Gabe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are back. Go ahead. 
Also, really quick, uh, I'm scrolling through the old episode feed. Um, do you want to know the last time we released the show in December? Uh, I would say 2019. 18, 2018. Wow, really? The last time we had one, two, three December episodes. I'm sorry, one, two, three, four December episodes in 2018. Wow. And then we haven't done one since. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's, yeah I mean, I, like, it's just a rough time, you know? It's hard. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, you know, let's start off with the formalities. How's your uh, how's your Christmas and New Year's, man? It was OK. Like I said, uh, I got sick for the last two weeks of the year and uh, just recently uh, shook the cough that came along with it. Um, and I hate coughing more than anything on planet Earth. And um, yeah, man, I'm not, not not a fan of it at all. So I'm glad to be basically rid of it because yeah it sucks it blows and i don't want to deal with it anymore um so yeah that's okay um a couple other things um shit man uh got a little bit of a new project that i am working on um kind of like a clothing apparel brand thing uh you've seen the shirt uh i've put it out in a couple of places as far as so people could check it out and uh well, yeah that's kind of my project i know you've had projects how, how how's your holiday and projects that you've been working on good man uh you know we we kept up it's with the with the christmas tradition i think it's the fifth year we did it uh this past one so it was really nice it was um it was the most tame christmas but i think people had sort of the most fun with it Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, we did raffles, we did games, shit like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was just nice. Um, you know, I always tell everyone, like, it started off with, uh, with myself and my, with my Muslim buddy that just one day said, are you fucking doing anything today? Like, cause we're not, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it went from just sort of like drinking and watching movies to this big whole ordeal. So it, it's really nice. I, I feel like five years is like a pretty solid anniversary of doing these things. For and, sure. You know, we just got pictures from throughout the years and shenanigans all about. So it's really nice just kind of looking back, and, and that was fun. For sure. Uh, yeah, New, New Year's was all right. Um, nothing too crazy there. Uh, Nashville trip got canceled because it was uh fucking snow, tornado, blizzard, ice, hail, you know, uh, ninth layer of hell kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and then, of course, that didn't happen. Um, so we decided not to burn our PTO because the amount of time that we would end up being there wouldn't even be worth the tassel of taking those days off. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was nice getting all that money back. I'll say that. For sure. I'm sure. I was like, damn. Oh, yeah. We did kind of spend stuff on the preliminary shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Other than that, uh, you know, we I did my own thing with the hoodies. Uh, mm-hmm. Not selling them or, or anything like that. It was just kind of a small batch for everybody who showed up to Christmas. Um, but yeah, I think those came out nice. It was a little stressful with everything, but I'm, I'm glad I'm happy with the way they came out. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, like I said, similar vein, I mentioned it. Uh, I do have a kind of a cult, uh, alternative apparel t-shirt company slash hoodie company that I am starting called the villain empire. You guys can check that out on Facebook. You could see the first design. Uh, I kind of something that I've been wanting to do for a while and the concept's a little niche. I guess I must admit, uh, but essentially what the program is is that each shirt will be 
each shirt is objective is to kind of tell the next part of the story for a particular character that I developed. And uh, every shirt will be different and maybe introduce new characters along the way. And uh, yeah, I got I got kind of like a, a story mapped out in my head that I'm going to tell from these shirts slash hoodies um, and kind of in a similar vein. I'm going to once I kind of get everything settled as far as printer and uh, T-shirt brand, uh, I'm going to have a kind of a special batch made just for crew and uh, all nice. that good stuff moving forward. I'm actually thinking of like a uh, maybe like an acid wash kind of a. A version of yeah. of the shirt, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. Acid wash, um, acid wash uh, cutoffs. Yeah, something like something like that, you know, uh, just for crew, uh, family and friends of the brand, uh, and yeah, it is something that I'm kind of looking forward to. Um, I don't know what inspired me one day, but I'm like, you know, I think it'd be kind of cool. Uh, got in contact with an artist through Fiverr, and just kind of been working my way around. Got a new logo. All of that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get it rolling soon enough. I uh, got the first hoodie printed. Uh, I, it, it looks good. Uh, there are some problems that I'm getting looked at. Got the second run printed. So maybe this brand will be the one that we roll with. T-shirt comes in tomorrow. Man, we got we, we got stuff to do, you know? So Yeah, man. I, I personally, I, I love shit like that. I, I feel like you and I are very much on the same mm-hmm train when we're like yeah we want to design like wearables because yeah for sure it's, it's fun it's what it is period well, we also, can't do merch because because we give up on the band but <laughs> yeah well that that and like um you know it's just i i think it's a very large part of kind of our genre of what we enjoy like the design and the iconic t-shirt you know uh, designs and looks and stuff like that uh it kind of harkens back to that style stuff i mean you've seen the shirt um and I'm looking forward to it, man. Like I said, it's it's kind of uh, scratching all of my creative itches from design to storytelling to kind of this dark occult world that I'm creating. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it, man. And again, I don't want to harp on it too long because that's not an ad. Uh, but, you know, check it out if you guys get a, get, get a chance. It's on, it is on Facebook, and I do plan on putting it on sale online soon enough. Check it out, Villain Empire on Facebook. Hey, it's funny shit. You could be like, oh, this episode is sponsored by Villain Empire because I mean, you run both of these yeah, things. <laughs> both, of these, both of these things are mine. So, yeah. well, the podcast is ours, but yeah. Uh, all right, man. Uh, we do have a fat boy agenda here, and I don't want to waste any more time. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it. You have a note. Yeah. So uh, last year, Illinois hit $1.38 billion in recreational marijuana sales um, for pretty much everyone that said oh this isn't gonna make any money this isn't gonna you know generate revenue um you're you're wrong (laughs) you're wrong uh illinois uh thank you for putting out jesus i'm sounding like the fucking opening band for (laughs) for somebody that's not from the u.s that just goes illinois like no dude we're either in chicago or not in chicago (laughs) right Uh, (laughs) right Right. but yeah man i just thought that number was huge because I mean, you know, like when the shit was legalized, both of us were like, yes. And then, you know, you had everybody else on the other side of the argument that was like, oh, blah, 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 blah. it's like, dude, say what you want. Um, you know, the state cashed out. Yeah, for sure. Makes you wonder why we're still about back on the budget. But again, we are not a political co- a podcast, so we're not going to talk about yeah. that. Uh, also, really quick side note about the note itself. About half of that revenue was from our host, Jacob himself. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong <laughs> uh yeah man i partake fuck man shit it helps me sleep 
Number one, yeah. I, I think that's the biggest benefit of it. It helps me sleep without pain and I, I consume responsibly. My kids are sleeping, uh, most of the time. So if anybody's got a problem with it, fucking fight me because I will fight you on this every single day of the week. Yeah, man. You know, the pain of existence is simply too much for my brain. So anything short of a medical coma, uh, ain't gonna do much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair enough, yeah. man. I get it. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's good stuff. I mean, hopefully more revenue to come. It's definitely a growing industry. And I think a lot of people who were opposite of, uh, you know, allowing people to, to, to consume are now, Starting to see the benefits of it, at least from a financial standpoint. Yeah, I, so. I think that the, the people who are hardcore against it now just like get like CBD products at the very least. Correct. Like, oh, well, it helps with pain. It's like, yeah, you, no shit. you're a believer. You're yeah. a believer. Yeah, no shit. You're not like fully committed. You don't have the band's like tattoo and t-shirt, but you like their music. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. So let's dive into movies, TVs, and books. Cool. So on the last podcast, we talked a lot about The Mummy, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, I, I believe, a favorite of both of ours. Yes. Really yes. Um, and we were just kind of like, what would make a good uh, Indiana Jones-style action subgenre of its own? You know, it's sort of mm-hmm. the action thriller, quirky, fun character vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were supposed to come up with some contender films. Now, uh, I, I do have a small list of films, and I do have sort of why they didn't kick off into that genre. Okay. But before we dive into that, I have a couple notes on 1999's The Mummy for you. Okay. So the first one, um, it was originally intended to be a horror film. They wanted a uh, <laughs> a resurrection of the OG 1930s mummy, okay. right? And they wanted to keep it horror. George Romero was originally the first director signed on. So weird. Zombie dude, right? Which I don't – sure – weird looking back at what we got versus what was intended yeah. but i don't think it would have been the weirdest thing because mummies are zombies in essence right yeah for sure yeah or uh, we could say that zombies are gentrified mummies if you want yeah, we could if do you want to really do a deep like <laughs> yeah we could do that sociology kind of dive on things for um, sure so then that was a no-go because he said bigger budget then mm-hmm. clive barker of hellraiser was signed on to direct it yeah, yeah yeah um same thing hey man we need a bigger budget uh, he came out with a, we'll call it a rough draft of the film, and Universal said, yo, this is kind of intense for the uh, mainstream audience, which, mm-hmm. what did we expect? It's Clive fucking Barker. Correct. <laughs> uh, then Romero was signed on again. <laughs> okay. And then he dipped out, mm-hmm. and then they went through and uh, eventually found the director that we have now, and the director wrote, a rough copy and he said hey i don't think we should do horror i think we should do a pg-13 style action adventure movie Mm -hmm. um sort of in reminiscence of indiana jones correct and universal said you know what uh if that's the case then we will give you the budget Mm -hmm. and we got what we got yeah i just i just thought that production history was was pretty cool this is on wikipedia by the way and then one more side note um so the casting, right? I think Brendan Fraser was the uh, perfect pick, right? And this mm-hmm. is like the Brendan Fraser movie for me. Like, George of the Jungle is great, but this, this is quintessential. Yeah, sure. 90s. Yeah, you know, Rachel Weisz, uh, Brendan Fraser. The, the whole cast is great. But originally, the the original actors that they wanted to cast okay. for Rick O'Connell in order was Tom Cruise, <laughs> Brad Pitt, um... Matt Damon, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck and all of them were either not interested or they couldn't fit it into their schedules. And then they settled on Brendan Fraser. Imagine settling on Brendan Fraser. 
Yeah, I you know that that that's what I said because he he killed it, dude. He like did. there's so much life. Imagine you know robotic ass cold Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah. uh, well, you you don't have to imagine it. Yeah, because it happened. <laughs> so yeah. we did we did that, and it didn't work. Remember? <laughs> yeah. So I I just thought it was kind of neat seeing the the how this movie came to be because on paper this thing should not have worked. Never. At yeah. All. Well, no, like and- I mean, like, just Brendan Fraser is just pure charisma. Like his that yeah. character is just so relatable and kind of like us, where he's kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Like, mommy's like for he- real, <laughs> you know, like. Here's my thing. He and, and here's why I think that the movie is so rewatchable. I, part of it is because he has this childlike, like um, this sort of sex appeal. Where I, you know maybe that that's not a good combination yeah, of words, a little, a little but weird. this like teenage like, uh, like the hot dude, like the high school um, heartthrob, right? Yeah, yeah, where yeah. It's like oh, it's the cool dude in class, blah blah blah. Where it's like when you're younger, you're like, damn, I kind of want to be like Brendan Fraser, like for sure. Everybody likes him; he's charismatic, blah blah blah. And then when you sort of grow up a bit. And I don't know if you've rewatched it, but like he's also like the goofy, cool dad. Yes. Where you like, where you like, ah, yeah, that's my dad, but he's the best dad ever, and I couldn't want anyone else. Correct. Yeah, man, you know? nailing it, nailing it on that. So, but yeah, like you mentioned, with that being said, you and I kind of gave ourselves a mission, kind of sorta, to dig through the our archives and kind of pick out other indie style movies right and we think the mummy is the best representative of, of that i think it's on both far lists so we can go ahead and skip it we've definitely talked about it at length on this podcast in the past right so uh i'm gonna go ahead and let uh you start off do you have another film that you think is a spiritual indie movie yeah uh do you want to sort of like rattle them off and go through them yeah we can do that uh so the first one is actually another brendan fraser film um the the issue with this one was vast the issues i should say uh i think journey to the center of the earth would have been really really solid as this style of film Mm -hmm. um unfortunately it didn't do great numbers um you know the mummy didn't get great critical acclaim but it Mm -hmm. murdered in the box office it did Um, yeah and there's just something missing i don't know if it was the writing choices the directing or you know the the whole sort of like the CGI is, is that, in that, the foreground. That's that's the thing. So I actually I just recently rewatched this for the first time in a long time. And um the movie, like there's really nothing wrong with it. It's just like a PG version of like an indie film. Um but essentially the problem was is that it was too CGI'd. Uh yeah. none of the backgrounds or care are like, you know, creatures that they were dealing with had uh like soul to it because it all felt very robotic and computerized. And that's that's the big thing. Like Indiana Jones, um, say what you will, but he is a memorable character. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, anybody over the age of like thirty will mm-hmm. very, like, calmly and casually drop like lines from mm-hmm. those movies when we're applicable. I think that says a lot, right? Because yeah. you need to have a likable cast for sure. Um, and in regards to the CGI, I know. Um, the mummy movies had obviously the Scorpion King mm. and Imhotep's um, sort of magical conjurings. Yes. The thing is with those is like every time they're on screen, you go, oh, but it's like it's just such a negligible thing because yeah. the rest of the movie is it's so phenomenal. good. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah, it's a product of the time. Like this didn't hold up well, but literally everything else is like <laughs> the other 98 percent part of the movie yeah. is phenomenal. Right. Correct. And I feel like with Journey's problem, it's like. Hey, come see this 
for the CGI. And we know how technology works. In nine months, you're going to have something twice as good and twice the price. And when you sort of have the spectacle up front and you're going to want to promote the, like I said, the spectacle, not the story, Mm -hmm. go with practical effects. That's why Star Wars holds up. Absolutely. I I 100% agree with that. Uh, For me, actually, I think something that, um, I'm not even like a really big fan of this particular film that I'm about to rattle off, but I did watch it again recently with the wife. I don't understand why people enjoy it. It's just for something about it misses the mark. The fucking Goonies, bro. Okay. I, yeah. again, great film. Mm-hmm. There's something just not there. They have a great cast, but yes. I think that the grandeur of the adventure just isn't there. It needs to be it, part of it needs to be a spectacle, right? It needs yeah. to be something hidden, something uncovered, something mm-hmm. fun, something that's familiar yet very foreign and mysterious at the same time. Correct. Yeah, for sure. So the the Goonies, like it had kind of that, that lovable cast, like you mentioned, and that there was definitely a sense of adventure. And I think as far as scaling, I get why they didn't have maybe the indie-sized adventure because they're kids, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I guess that kind of sort of makes sense. But I think as far as like an action and adventure kind of a, a film, I think it's pretty good as far, as far as fulfilling kind of that indie kind of role. So there's that. Uh, my next one might be a controversial pick, but I think if they would have planned it from the beginning, I think the, the A-Team remakes would have been a very mm. good contender because you do have a likable cast. You do have badass action. You do have fun, quippy remarks and, you know, these sort of like four-way interactions between all the bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like the problem with the A-Team is what people expected was a big, bombastic, like, Expendables actor f- mm-hmm. action film where it's the focus on the guns mm-hmm. and the focus on, you know, this sort of macho-ness amongst them, yeah. which, if you're looking for that, you know, this is a, a solid movie night, you mm-hmm. know, backup plan for you, but I feel like the, the, the sort of whimsiness with Indiana Jones and the Mummy is that you don't have to rely on big muscles and even bigger guns. It's yeah. a lot of like cleverness in not only their actions, but in the writing. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like it's missing sort of the, geez, you're going to call me crazy. It's missing the, the action. It's missing the adventure part of action adventure. Movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the saying. thing. Like there is an adventure, right? Like mm-hmm. adventure is a very broad term, but you're not scaling caves. You're not uh, exploring and you're not this or that. Yeah, that, that's my take on it. Yeah, I, I could definitely, I could definitely see what you're talking about with that. Uh, next up is another movie that I actually reviewed a couple of months ago, uh, Jungle Cruise. Um, so I mentioned this when it came out. I'm like, it's kind of a weird spiritual successor, not just to indie films, but to the Mummy itself. Uh, just because of the style of film, you kind of have to watch it uh, yeah. to, to understand it. But a big fun adventure that had a decent amount of scaling seeking an item that hasn't been seen for thousands of years. And that has this kind of magical kind of quality to it. Uh, you have a charismatic lead with the rock, obviously uh, you have a great secondary female character, Emily Blunt um, and kind of a funny um, brother type in that, in that movie as well. And I think, like I said, spiritual successor to the mummy, but also because of, the relationship also to an Indiana Jones film. So uh, I would definitely put Jungle Cruise up there. It was a great time. I loved it when I watched it. So that's up there for sure. Really solid pick. Um, my next one, uh, the issues are blaringly obvious, but um, the murder on the Orient Express. Oh, series. man. Um, <laughs> so the, the, 
the obvious reason why this failed as a true spiritual successor or even like inspired is because at least in the first movie, I, I don't know if the second one's out yet. I know it's coming out soon. It's but coming out soon. Yep. It's, it, it fails to stand on its own legs. It's like a newborn deer. And, uh, you know, we reviewed the movie, the first one when it came out originally. And it has a lot of the elements, man. It, it, it brings together that good sense of mystery, the sort of um, the chase scenes mm-hmm. here and there, and the whodunit vibe, right? Yeah. And I know it, it, in essence, if we really boil it down, it, it, they're probably not too similar. I just feel like a lot of the same elements were brought in and we could have evoked a lot of the same feeling that we got from The Mummy from this film. But again, like... We we have our issues. We have our gripes with it, and it's kind of like I said, a newborn deer. It's sort of at this point in time before the second one comes out, Death on the Nile. It's failing to stand on its own legs. And then, in addition to that, the other blaring issue we have is that the only character that's going to go from movie to movie is the main one, the detective. Mm-hmm. And if if you're going to lean on one character, if you're going to have like a Bond type, mm-hmm. right? You're your bond has to be phenomenal period. Yeah. For like sure. he has to be lovable. He has to have angles. He has to be multifaceted and dimensional. <laughs> and, you know, we, we enjoy Daniel Craig's bond. Uh, and that's why we review the movies on here. But some mm-hmm. of the other bonds were very flat. Yeah. And here's Brosman. Sorry. Sorry. Keep it on. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it develops. Absolutely. But like I said, I, I feel like it, it would be, if, if it just pulled together, if it got its shit together, it would be very much like a, yeah, dude, like, I would definitely recommend you this movie if you just finished watching the first two Mummy films and need something in the same vein. For sure. Maybe uh, the whole Egypt thing, Death on the Nile, like, really just, you know, threw yeah. me for a loop here, but whatever. Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. Uh, and last but not least, uh, I think this one's one that we actually even mentioned when we brought up the subject, National Treasure. Um, yes. I think it's uh, probably the most uh, indie-adjacent film that I named. Because it's kind of the same kind of character and kind of with the same kind of objective. So, uh, I mean, yeah, a good film. I think I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it's Nick Cage's last great film. <laughs> so, uh, no, the color out of space was phenomenal. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, I haven't seen it. So last one that I've seen at least. So, uh, I mean, yeah, you got everything that you want. Uh, kind of the indie formula. Um, you know, good film. I liked it. I, I think there's not too much to say about that because the resemblance is yeah. obvious. Yeah. It's, it's one for one almost. You just change the location, change the characters up a bit, and then I guess slightly the plot, if you want to say Yeah, that, right? a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, I have two more. Sure. One of them is, is kind of, sort of, and one of them is like, yes. Um, I'm going to start off with the latter. So the obvious one to me is Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Oh, this fuck. Is, that's a great this one. Is an, this is a quintessential action-adventure wow. film. Um, again, lovable cast. I love Milo Thatch. She's one of my favorite mm-hmm. animated characters. He's great. Um, um, and, and, you know, you got Mole and... Uh, uh, what was the doctor's name? Sugar, or no, his name was Cookie. Excuse me. Yeah, and and you just these lovable characters with such a good heart, and you know the the initial premise was let's let's find if this is really out there, mm-hmm. right? Like curio- curiosity for curiosity's sake. Yeah, and then you have the villains take the turn that are like, no, profitable curiosity, profit, profitable profit, profit, money, and money, money. It, it's just such a it, it harkens to everything that makes these sort of films great, and I would argue that this is more of a direct Indiana Jones spiritual successor as opposed to the mummy, Mm -hmm. but Atlantis and the mummy are like 
the two like one of them is the cooler older brother you yeah, know what i mean for sure and the other one was like i'm gonna do my own thing but thank you for raising me yeah i could see that that's a good one that's a good pick Gabe. i like that yeah and then my last one um it's gonna be kind of a weird one um and it's not gonna fully qualify because well you'll see why but i, I feel like it's definitely there uh the tom holland spider-mans oh okay and I feel like the 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 issue why it doesn't translate over was because you have, um, it's a superhero movie. They're superhero movies, period. And yeah. simply because of that, you're gonna have an action an action film. It's not gonna be the, sort of the same vibe as, um, you know, Discovery for Discovery's sake, mm-hmm. right? Or like this um, grand trip across Egypt. And I know I'm really nitpicking here, but the cast is lovable. Um, and a lot of it is sort of learning to live and deal and interact with yourself and the people around you. And I feel like at its very core, Spider-Man in some weird twice removed cousin who was your dad's brother's ex roommate (laughs) in college, goldfish's owner kind of vibe. Um, It's there. It's there in bits and pieces. And, you know, I I don't want to hearken too much on Spider-Man because we were reviewing that movie a little later down the line. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't know. Am I going crazy? Do you see like little flashes? I get what you're you're talking about. Definitely. I think the the thing that is missing is kind of um, the MacGuffin, right? Um, I think that's the thing that kind of makes the indie movies the indie movies is the thing that they're pursuing. And I think that's where the Spider-Man movies missed the mark. But overall, yeah, I, I could definitely see what you're talking about. I, I think the, and, you know, people are going to ream me for this one. I think the big thing is the journey, right? And, okay. and not like the, the, the quote unquote spiritual or self-development journey, the actual, we're on a fucking train, we're on a hot air balloon. We're like riding through the desert on motorcycles, kind yeah. of like the physical distance measurable journey to get there and all the bullshit that happens along the way and i don't know i feel like sort of listening to what i've been saying it's very hard to quantify what what or qualify i should say what makes this what makes this action indie adventure subgenre what it is right Mm -hmm. because like if you listen to this you're gonna be like okay so lovable cast and um you know traveling it's Mm -hmm. like not necessarily but by the same logic like around the world in 80 days is very much an indie Mm -hmm adventure kind of vibe it's it's hard to describe man those movies really had this sort of invisible thread around them that tied the bow nicely on like the perfect christmas present you know Mm -hmm. what i mean it's just magic in the air and call it chemistry call it directing call it writing call it casting whatever you want to call it yeah um the mummy had it the indiana jones movies had it Mm -hmm. and it's hard to replicate that but i feel like we listed off a bunch of really good movies that tried really damn hard Mm -hmm. and we're maybe just a little shy of the mark yeah for sure i'd agree overall i was i'm I'm pretty satisfied with with both of the lists that we have uh but speaking of lists we actually have another one that we have to do uh because you and i discussed satires and parodies last episode and basically i'm like well let's name our top three did you do this yeah, um, so mine are sort of, I, I guess call them mainstream, man. Okay. But I, I, I like my choices. Sure. Um, so Spaceballs, first okay. and foremost. For, because sure. Spaceballs was the first time I ever saw a movie and I went, this is making fun of the original <laughs> content. It was, For sure. I mean, because the movie was out way before we were born, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those things where I, I remember I remember the day I saw it, too. We were at a grocery store and they had it for in the $5 bin. Uh-huh. And I saw it and I was like, this kind of looks like Star Wars. 
and we bought it and I watched it and it was fucking hilarious and it still remains hilarious because now you can understand all the jokes you missed when you were like six years old watching this for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the best thing about this, in my opinion, is that George Lucas greenlit it and he said, yeah, dude, go for it. Just yeah. don't make any merch. And then they make fun of that exact contract clause. <laughs> they make it a whole ass joke. And I don't know, man, it's a simple one. But I think it gets the point across that you don't need some deep introspective commentary uh, on society. Sometimes you could just have a movie that's like, yo, dude, what if we made Star Wars, but Aldi brand, you sure, know, for sure. Yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah. Uh, mine are kind of I have I, I would say two kind of mainstream films and one that's my fa- personal favorite. That's a little bit more of a deep cut, but opening up Zombieland. All right. Yes. Uh, Zombieland. It, it was just taking the zombie thing that was so fucking popular at the time. You remember uh, where everything was a zombie thing, a zombie game, a zombie movie. And basically this took kind of the, the scream approach, right? Taking this thing that was very oversaturated, a little past its prime and uh, made fun of it. Right. Uh, taking a lot of the tropes. Uh, and things that we can rely on when it comes to these zombie films and kind of making a joke out of it in a respectful way because there's two types of way to make a joke, right? There's ones that the, the person that you're making fun of can laugh at and there's the one where the person you're making fun of wants to hit you in the mouth. And this is the one where the person that you're making fun of wants to laugh. So, um, yeah, to me, it's, 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 it's hilarious. It's a good zombie movie with some pretty solid zombie kills. Um, and yeah, underrated in my opinion. That that's the ultimate satire is yeah. that you make a quintessentially good whatever genre or whatever yeah. director parody yeah. or satire while still making fun of the material. And I think Zombieland really hits the mark because mm-hmm. um, it came out in what two thousand nine. So that was peak zombie culture. That was two thousand what eight, I think. Well, whatever you yeah. have, uh, The Walking Dead full swing. You yeah. have uh, this is post remake of um, Dawn of the Dead. Of the right, Dead. I feel like that that movie really sort of like up the stakes like yeah. the the quarter pipe got higher after that film came out yeah and you know you had shit like uh the devil wears prada drop in uh the zombie EP. like dude we we did a whole episode yes. on this podcast and on the other, the other one, yeah. about zombies. <laughs> uh, so we don't need to retread old ground but sure. yes absolutely wholeheartedly agree and i would even argue that the follow-up zombie land 2 looking back at the history of zombies through the lens of now mm-hmm. even just puts the cherry on top is there's such a such a great franchise yes sir uh my next one is a a bit of a classic pick um the monty python movies okay now for satire for satire's sake i think life of brian really accomplishes what it does i mean parodying the bible is fucking great (laughs) and just sort of the quips and jokes like you know what i mean when this came out it was very offensive and i feel like that's sort of a um a benchmark goal yeah. of a satire where it's like you you thoroughly piss off the people you make fun of whether they get the joke or not. Correct. Um, <laughs> it's not my favorite Monty Python. My favorite is um, uh, the meaning of life just because okay. w- we'll get into that. But I think this really set the bar for a lot of these parody movies. Uh-huh. Man. It said like, oh, well, you think this is like a consecrated ground that you can't touch. And then these funny British men went, no we're gonna rip this a new one (laughs) you know and that's what it is and i feel like they they tore down barriers and broke walls that were thought of as 10 inch thick reinforced steel (laughs) bank vault doors back in the day and they said no this is this is fucking drywall take a lighter (laughs) my name is kyle (laughs) yeah oh shit 
Yeah, that's a good one. Um, next up for me, again, kind of in the horror vein, I can't help myself. Kevin in the Woods. Yes. Uh, Kevin in the Woods. Uh, dude, uh, my favorite thing about it is that oftentimes throughout the film, it's almost like they're looking at the audience and winking, <laughs> you know, um, and just taking kind of that uh, lost in the woods uh, kind of trope and literally doing everything that's ever been done and be like, yeah, well, it's kind of done with the purpose and that purpose is ridiculous. And, uh, we got, we got gods to please essentially. And, um, just the, the, the insanity at the end of the film where all, all the creatures get free and just are fucking up that facility. It's just, it's, it's, it's fucking cinema wonder, dude. I love yeah, that uh, shit. So that, was, that was actually my last one. Cabin in the woods is the director's playbook to how to write a classic horror film it yes. really gives you all the rules and how to use and manipulate them like the whole last girl virgin trope the whole mm-hmm. uh meathead dude my favorite part was crims hemsworth's character is introduced as the super smart like dude. Gene, like doctor gonna be a doctor guy <laughs> yes and then through the manipulation of sort of behind the scenes yeah. stuff uh devolves into the stereotypical job correct yeah right and this movie Dude, this movie does so much. It subverts expectations yet while fulfilling them. It makes fun of an entire genre in one fell hour thirty-five minute swoop. Like this is it's it's phenomenal, period. And and my favorite part about this is that it is a parody of horror locked within a horror movie itself, because the whole premise is that there's some old gods, otherworldly bullshit mm-hmm. that humans cannot comprehend and they crave um you know this sort of stage play is what it is really right a fucking stage play mm-hmm. this dramatization to to quench their their great thirst for blood yeah and if you if you frame it as a canonical perspective of what's going on in the world yeah this explains you know the past hundred years of horror <laughs> no shit <laughs> and and you know obviously like nobody does that right? nobody i don't know I, well, let me let me say this. Let me rectify that statement. I don't know anybody personally who said "Cabin in the Woods" broke my mind, and mm. now I worship the giant squid overlords. Right? <laughs> not not to diss the squid overlords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're always listening. Yeah, but absolutely. It, this is, in my opinion, in the past, I don't know, maybe ten years. This is like, do you want to experience a good satire, and you don't want to? Um, read manuscripts upon manuscripts or understand, you know, inside jokes from a hundred years ago, this is the way to do it. And yeah. I feel like everybody's seen enough horror films to sort of get the jokes. And I love it so much. It, yeah. it really is a phenomenal film. But that was my, my third as well. Okay, cool. Uh, and last but not least, uh, this movie, I saw this movie in high school and I was fucking dying. Dr. Strange love or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Yes. This movie is just absolutely batshit crazy in like the best ways. Dude, I literally, literally spit out water when the, the scientist was trying to hail Hitler. Dude, I could, <laughs> dude, I, I was in class and I could not even contain myself. I was dying in the background of the class. This movie is fucking funny. It's thought provoking. Uh, and it's just, it's just, it's just fucking fantastic, dude. Uh, the general named Jack Ripper, like, come on, dude. You know, uh, this, this, it's just a fucking hilarious, hilarious movie. And if you haven't seen it, like I said, it's kind of, I don't want to say a deep cut because it definitely has a cult following, but definitely not as, mainstream as the other ones that we had mentioned you know which is funny because 50 years ago 60 years ago this would have been the mainstream choice absolutely yeah and now it's um 
faded into this weird <laughs> tree trunk of obscurity Absolutely. where it holds all of the other parodies on its back. Yeah, it's, it's it's so deep in the roots of it that you can't even see it anymore. You know what I mean? It, it is in the ground. This yes. is a hundred-year-old oak tree that is holding <laughs> up parodies to come. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's, I just love it so much. So again, I, really, I just wanted people to see it. So if you haven't seen it, please watch it. Again, I watched it in high school. Oh my god, it was so good. So check yeah, that out. Um, so those were our top three satire and parody movies. I think we did a really good job with those. Yeah. Man. I, I, I feel like maybe one of those was expected out of both of us. Yeah, for sure. Cabin in the woods, but yeah. that's because we wax poetic about it. Yeah. But no, dude, like really solid job. Proud yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's dive into Spider-Man No Way Home review. We have quite a few uh, amount of reviews on this podcast right now. <laughs> hang on. Let, let me count them up right now. So we have one, two, two three, four. four. Five, six, six seven, seven, eight, eight nine, nine, ten, ten, ten movies or show reviews. Oh my word! Okay, so uh, shit. Um, I, I, I want to spend a little bit of time on Spider Man because I feel like it deserves it. Sure. Do you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, I want to know your opinion. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So I went out and I saw Spider Man No Way Home. Um, it was kind of a dog shit day, but it wasn't because of Spider Man. It was sort of everything that happened before and after. Uh-huh. I got a ticket. It was snowing. You know, the whole fucking night. Sure. Was, right. Just kind of like, um, like. Uh, Americana, the typical bad day to yeah. start off like uh like get your coffee wrong, in New York. shit like that. Yeah, you, you know. So let, let's talk about this. So yes. we have two decades of live action Spider Man films building up to this moment. Spoiler Hugh warning, Tom, by the way. Spoiler warning, by yeah, the way. Spoiler, spoilers up the ass. Spoiler um, up the ass for sure. So we have two decades of Spider Man live action films mm-hmm. that were that were not meant to succeed, if we're being honest. Nobody believed in the live-action superhero movie until Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire went up and did it. Yeah. Um, And this really... If you ask me, this is the reason... The OG Spider-Man is the reason why Marvel is so goddamn successful. You could put it on Iron Man 2, but my money... My money's on Spider-Man. Okay. Um, What is there to say about this film? It is the summit, the peak... Mm -hmm. The absolute like point of Mount Everest yep. of Spider-Man films. It brings back all the past Spider-Man. It brings back all of the past villains. Uh, you know, circumventing one or two. Yeah. Um, this is the culmination of twenty years of cultural zeitgeist, twenty years of filmography, twenty years of perfecting the formula for a Spider-Man movie. Not even a superhero movie. A fucking Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Twenty years of hard work three dynasties yeah and it it's beautiful there's nothing else to say about it. it's beautiful you can nitpick you can split hairs all you want but as as a movie it is solid and as a spider-man movie it is quintessential this mm-hmm. is the spider-man experience this is there will never be a, a better live action spider-man movie than this and i straight have told everybody that i went to go see it with they should not make any more Spider-Man movies. <laughs> Period. The, the only way you're going to get away with making another Spider-Man movie is if you make them animated. Yeah. That's my take on it. Um, I love that they brought back everyone. I love their interactions. And I love that all of the Spider-Men had their redeeming moment mm-hmm. in the new Spider-Man yes, they movie. Did. And, and, and the fact of the matter that they, like, poke fun at, like, the, the problems mm-hmm. with their mo- own movies. Like, it's so, like meta it, it is it is a movie by the fans for the fans mm-hmm. it deserves every little bit of praise it was such a good watch and i'm gonna take a small moment um to to wax poetic about one of my favorite actors of all time 
Willem, Willem Dafoe, Dafoe yes. is, uh, is, is your guy. Um, you know, I, I did my lighthouse review and one of my big things was Willem Dafoe is fucking terrifying. Yeah. And it's hilarious because he's in my favorite Wes Anderson life aquatic. And he's just this sort of like foreign dude that you're like, I don't know if I like him. I don't know if he's going to be good, you know, kind of mm-hmm. do they don't they sort of vibe. Uh-huh. Um, Willem Dafoe is fucking terrifying. And yeah. knowing that this dude came from a Shakespearean stage play background and then skyrocketed into big pictures like this. I do not want to see um, the tragedy of Macbeth with Willem Dafoe as Duncan. You know what I mean? Like that, that would probably break some people's minds. This dude is terrifying. He commands the fucking screen Mm -hmm. and the whole Norman Osborn versus the green goblin, all the weird little small minute facial details that he did in the OG Spider-Man movie was brought back for this 20 fucking years later. He still remembers how to play not one, but two different characters. The fact that you know when it's Green Goblin pretending to be Norman, (laughs) imagine so much tiny little unrecognizable detail, goddamn, goes into that kind of acting, but it translates so well on screen, and you know. You Mm -hmm. know in that final moment of No Way Home when it's Goblin pretending to be Norman. Mm -hmm. And god fucking damn it. The movie was solid. It is an A. I don't know if I want to give it an A+, but you know what? It might work its way up there. That's yeah. my review of it. Go watch it if you have it. And if you have, go watch it again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, basically, I, I'd agree. I love My favorite thing about Willem Dafoe, uh, Dafoe's performance on this particular movie is that they said, you know what, bro? Your facial expressions are so fucking great. Get rid of the mask. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, holy shit. Like, like the goblin mask was broken in the first 30 minutes. Yeah, and it's like, dude, you're so good at this. Your your face with a hood over it is going to be more menacing than anything you did in the previous Spider-Man movies. And he is correct on that. All right. The fucking fight scene at the hotel or at the hotel, the apartment, at Happy's apartment between Peter Parker and, and everyone and everyone, but especially Green Goblin, where they're just smashing through fucking floors and beating oh, the shit word. out of each other. And like, I you, think people forget that he has like dad angry dad strength yeah. is what the goblin has yeah and he is fucking he's vicious he is vile he is terrifying more so than he's ever been on a live action screen ever before right yeah and it goes beyond just um a superhero movie he is a vile piece of shit right and you want you want to see Peter Parker shoved his fist through his fucking skull. You really yep. do. And uh, it was fantastic. But with that being said, you you harped on Willem Dafoe. And yes, he absolutely is fantastic. And yes, I will say that he stole every single thing he was in. But let's talk about my boy Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. Oh, oh, man. So All good right? to see him back. Yeah, he, he – throw. so, so perfect. Nailed that performance. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. I love how in the end he was a guy – who wanted to make see his his life's work uh be accomplished essentially and it was what inside of him he was always a good guy right and in a weird way he kind of ended up working out with, working with the Spider-Man near the yeah. end of this film and I mean he at his core he's not a bad guy he's yeah. just 
tainted and corrupted by those uh by those, those tentacles man. by those arms yeah and uh i loved it man the, this movie spoke to me in so many different ways that it appealed to various points in my life where spider-man was one of my favorite and it is one of my favorite marvel superheroes and it's literally a greatest hits uh, from top to bottom. And even some of the aspects in Spider-Man movies that are underappreciated, such as Andrew Garfield as a whole. And his moment with, uh, MJ is just wonderful, right? Yep. Um, cause he finally got it right. He finally got to save the girl. Granted, it wasn't his girl, but he made it up for it. It was an MJ. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And he saved, he got to save her this time the correct way. And you made, he made you feel that, right? And that moment where they're coming through the portals, like Jesus Christ, bro. Like it's just, it's incredible. They did such a great job uh, overall. And I mean, I know everybody kind of knew that they were coming, but at the end of the day, we didn't really know, <laughs> you know, like, you know, um, like I, I, I would have been shocked if they weren't, I would have been shocked if they weren't in it, but I wouldn't have been surprised if that makes sense. You know what I mean? I, if I was doing the marketing for this movie, I would have not shown anything from any of the other spider verses, honest to God. Yeah. For sure. Focus on on Doc and and Spidey and them doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. And you go and you show up and you're like, oh my God, this is happening. Yeah. And it it happened. I was telling Adriana by the end, I'm like, that might be one of the coolest things I've ever seen in theaters. Like, period. Yeah. Um, Two two quick little tidbits. Um, First of all, I love that they brought back the original goblin color scheme, yes. the purple, mm. like tattered robes yeah. against the green. Uh, that That's the only thing that was missing from, from yes. the first Spider-Man. Correct. Uh, and then two, my favorite thing is uh, my girlfriend was trying to explain um, these, <laughs> why the, the moment where Garfield saved MJ was important. I was like, dude, these storylines, these plot beats are older, older. Yeah. than we are. <laughs> I, I, I know the history. Yeah. I read these yeah. when, like long before this shit was like, you know what I mean? Like cool. And Marvel was like the next big thing. Like I, I grew, yeah. you do not have to explain. Yeah. I was like, born in darkness, bro. Yes. <laughs> bro. When, uh, when we found out that Andrew Garfield's love interest was going to be Gwen Stacy instead of Mary Jane, we you knew, do. we knew you what do. was coming. The first film, uh, Captain Stacy dies. Second one, she dies yeah. and he breaks the promise. That's literally the entire, like, yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. But, um, I just thought those two things are funny. I also, I really love Andrew Garfield as an actor. We watched that yeah. Tick, Tick, Boom, which is the prelude yeah, 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 to I watch Rent. That. Yeah, yeah, I want to watch oh, that. Oh, so good. So good. I, I, he's just um, the, the epitome of, of like, the band kids, but, like, in all the best ways. You know, like, the eccentricity, the sort of, like, oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. He's, one of, he's in one of my favorite movies ever, The Social Network, so. Uh, and in one of my favorite movies ever, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, that too. He's that. That that was great too. Uh, yeah, the motherfucker got range. And yeah. fun fact: when he said "I love you guys," that was improvised. That, <laughs> I, was, that I, wasn't that wasn't Peter Parker. That was Andrew Garfield that said that. Fucking hell! I, I love the conversation they had about the web shooter. That shit had me fucking oh, dying, man. bro. He's like, yeah. wait, so it just like comes out of you? He's like, yeah. He's like, does it come out of anywhere else? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. man. Uh, it was good seeing uh, Toby Maguire back too. Absolutely, you could tell he's aged a little bit, but in the context of this film, it works. I dig it, and yeah. and I'm glad he got to reprise a role that honestly he got a lot of shit for for a while. So there. weird. Now he's like a hero. Now everybody loves him. Now, yeah. Now he's the golden god, huh? Yeah, it's so weird. Weird. All right. Um, but yeah, that was. Uh, what, what is your final grade? It's an A. It's, an a. it's a definitely an A. It, yeah. I was telling everybody, I'm like, it might, it might be one of the best standalone Marvel movies ever. Period. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny because you say standalone, but 
you really do sort of need that knowledge going into it. But at the same time, you don't because mm-hmm. it's just ingrained into our like, you know, collective like cultural memory. If yeah. you've been around for, you know, 20, 25 years, you know, the history of these films. They're a Correct. big deal every time they come out. Um, and I went into there not watching any of the Tom Hollands and I still got everything. Yeah. Yeah. You, and, you know, the beats. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, but yeah, A on No Way Home. Uh, now let's talk about uh, some other uh, sequels, reprises, um, some Dave. Some yeah. Dave, I almost said Dave Grigger, Grave Digger um, stuff. Um, yeah, let's, let's, so, talk, let's talk about the Matrix regurgitation. I mean, Resurrection. Uh, I didn't see it. I did. And... Uh, so I, I went into this movie. You and I talked about it when the trailers dropped. Uh, I'm like, I am worried about this movie because it looks like shit, right? And we're like, well, you know, sometimes maybe it could be a badly cut trailer. Uh, I am here to inform you that no, it, it is a piece of shit movie. <laughs> um, basically, it feels like it was made because a corporation gate went up to the Wachowskis and said, you know what? We'll give you a boatload of this money if you make another one. And they said, bet. It is almost beat for beat, kind of a remake slash redo slash retcon of everything that you know about the Matrix. Uh, By the end, I was totally fucking confused and not in the way that I wanted to know what happens next, but more so that I'm going to shut this off and never turn it on ever again. Um, The action scenes were subpar. Um, the visual effects were not great. The character motivations, I don't understand. It's just convoluted. They have too much going on. Bullshit. Um, now, the only two things that I can praise is, number one, Keanu Reeves' performance in it was fantastic. And number two, Carrie Ann Moss's performance as Trinity was in it was fantastic. Everything else about this movie is totally skippable. Uh, it is by far the worst Matrix movie to ever exist, ever, period. Uh, and I don't give a shit what people have to say about, uh, revolution or whatever the fuck was the name of the last movie. This movie, that movie is a fucking, it is fucking, uh, dude, it is Ben Hur compared to this movie. It, this movie is trash, bro. Garbage bin. Horrible. If it's fucking $2 at my Walmart, uh, you know, fucking pickling up Ben, ben I'm, I'm staying there. I'm not picking it up. I'll never watch this movie again. It is an insult to the, the fucking franchise. It is an F. Every day of the week. Wow. Okay. Um, moving on. Encanto. <laughs> what is this? Encanto. I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about the Matrix. Honestly, I don't. Good. Encanto. So Encanto is Disney's most recent jam, right? Now, essentially, uh, I didn't really know a whole lot about this movie going into it. Uh, all I knew is that it was kind of Latin based, and these characters kind of have these magical gifts, uh, and that that they use for various reasons. Now. Essentially, um, this is a movie about family. This is a movie about expectations and living up to them. It's about pressure put on you by your family and how people react to it and how people don't react to it kind of a way. And about how pressure and expectation could damage your family. And it was wonderful, dude. Number one, that first thing I have to know that I have to, to recognize about the film, the design of these characters. This is a uh, movie that is based in Colombia, and much like Colombia as a country, there are people of different shades, colors, sizes, hair types, all of that stuff. You have those dark Colombians, you have light-skinned Colombians, 
dude, the design of these characters was fucking flawless. Every single character looked great from top to bottom, right? The music, because this is made by the guy who did, I guess, Hamilton, which people might keep up people on ranting and raving about. I'm not going to watch it. And uh, the guy who did the music for Coco. And goddamn, he, the, every single song in this movie is a banger. Every single one. I was saying that as we were going through it. I'm like, that song was a banger. That song was a banger. That song was beautiful. That song was fantastic. And there's a lot of them. I feel like they rely a little bit more heavily uh, on music in this particular film than they do on any of them, uh, any of the other Disney films recently. This was really, really good. All right. Um, a lot of great songs. And I'm sure you've seen on the Internet, we don't talk about Bruno. This is from that this movie. <laughs> and it's wonderful. It's great. It's uh, I was crying by the end. Fantastic film. It is an A. And, uh, yeah, it's just great. So definitely, if you have not, it is on Disney Plus. Watch it. It is wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful film. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, really quick side note. Sure. Um, I love Ingested. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into them when we talk about music, but holy shit, they're genuinely nice guys. Mm-hmm. I just got a reply in my DMs from, I'll, I'll mention it. Um, Scream. I know you're excited for this one. Talk to me about it. Scream. So I actually got a chance to watch this yesterday. And similar to The Matrix Revolution, I was worried going into it because the trailer didn't quite convince me, right? I was a little worried going into this film. And unlike The Matrix, this movie was fantastic. All right. Now, um, there's a couple of complaints that I have. Uh, I'm not going to get too spoilery into this. But the only thing I will say is that the killer at the end, the motivation was a little wonky. Okay, uh, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. With that being said, the performance of Ghostface, the actual Ghostface killer in the costume with the voice was fucking fantastic. This is the most menacing, the most diabolical, the most vicious and savage Ghostface has been in the whole entire franchise so far. Right. Um, and it was great. David Arquette was fucking phenomenal in this film. Now, people, mm-hmm. people who know me know that I am the biggest anti-Dewey fan (laughs) in all of Scream, right? I don't like Dewey as a character at this point because I feel like he should have died a long fucking time ago. Uh, Malcolm was your favorite, right? Malcolm? Who the fuck's Malcolm? From Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, you're stupid. You're (laughs) stupid. Oh my God. I hate you. Anyways. (laughs) uh, Dewey, I'm not a big Dewey fan, right? And I've been uh, talking about how he doesn't need to exist. This movie gives him a reason to exist because David Arquette did such a great job with this character this time around. Uh, very, very good. Uh, my favorite thing about this film is that it focuses more heavily on the new characters, right? Because uh, something my biggest complaint about Scream 4 is that, yeah, that was good, but it, it was very, still very Sydney, Gale Weathers, and Dewey Cedric, right? Uh, this one is really not that. Uh, it focuses on the new character, especially the new uh, two main leads. They are very good. Uh, they have a very good family dynamic. You believe everything they got going on. Uh, and this character kind of has a secret that she's not telling everybody. And it kind of ties into the past. So it does have some good um, homages to the original set, the first set. Um and I'm curious on what they're going to do moving forward because I did enjoy this film quite a bit. Uh, I would put it in the middle as far as screams because I think the first one is untouchable. Uh, I liked three a lot. I know I'm kind of alone on that. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like three a whole lot. And then I'll put five in the, in the, in the center spot. So 
definitely check it out. Uh, it was a good movie. Uh, so like I said, some of the kills were really, really good. And this is by far, like I said, the most ballsy the ghost face killer has been. <laughs> Cause this, this dude's killing people in daylight. Like, what the fuck? What is, since when does he do that? For crying out loud. Um, but very, very cool. So definitely check it out. If you're a fan of the franchise and if you want to see kind of Ghostface on an elevated, frantic kind of level, this is it. So, uh, good. I, I had a great time with it. I liked it a lot. I kept on, on the ride home. I kept on saying that was pretty good. I kept on saying it because it was, it was pretty good. B plus. Cool. 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 Uh, next up, Keanu joins devil in the white city. Um, thoughts. Uh, when is it coming out? Cause I've been hearing about yeah, this for uh, fucking five same. years. I, I, I saw the news <laughs> and I was just like, cool. Um, this thing's still in production. Yeah. Can we fucking get the ball rolling. Cause you're right. I think it was announced maybe a year or two after we started doing this goddamn podcast. I, I think it might be within the first 15 episodes that we start talking about this. Crazy to me. Crazy yeah. to me. And it's Scorsese too, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's supposed to be. Dude. Dude, come on. Yeah. Get your shit together. Leo's supposed to be in uh, it too. So. Oh, well, moving on. Yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves, Devil in the White City, if it ever comes out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so. Dwayne The Rock Johnson wants to be James Bond. Yeah. Dwayne James The Rock Bond Johnson <laughs> wants to be himself. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, no. Um, that's my that's... So, so, hang on. Let, let me throw this out. First of all, everybody wants to be fucking James Bond. <laughs> um, like, like, it was the same shit when, uh, when Trav left Varials. Everybody said he wants to do vocals for Varials. You guys, you don't have to send us your fucking... <laughs> Jesus Christ, your dad submitted an audition for to yeah, be James Bond. Right, and not... I love your dad. He's a good, he's a good dude, but come on, man. Like, stay in your lane. Um, uh, here, here's my thing. Here's my thing. You remember how we praised Dwayne for, yeah, man, do, do whatever makes money. Like, it doesn't have to be a killer film just kind of go in there be yourself people love you regardless correct that is coming back to bite you in the ass <laughs> because ain't nobody gonna want to watch a james bond have him be the villain i could do That's that a, if you could have and, and i feel like the rock can do like a mean villain too like, yeah like a like a funny like oh haha but we're buddies right and then kills the bond girl you know yes. like do like a do like a do what javier bardem did but make it more like Voss from Far Cry 3. There we go. I can fuck with that. There you go. Have him be the villain. Don't yeah. be Bond. Don't be Bond. Idris Elba, next Bond, please. I mean, did you watch the new James Bond? <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> there, listen, there's there's a lot of contenders. Everybody wants to be him. I saw people <laughs> wanting Timothy Chalamet to be James Bond. It, you you got to prove that you're worth the chops. The yeah. Bond movies, you do not have a Bond movie that has a small budget. These are big multi-film endeavors at this point. This is a franchise people give a shit about. Correct. It's like it's like if you wanted to do another trilogy of Star Wars films, every little casting choice you make before anything comes out about the movie ever, people are going to scrutinize up and down, left and right. Correct. The Rock should not be Bond. Have hmm. him be a villain. That would be fun. He could be both the villain and the comedic relief. I'm telling you, give him like a Vaz angle from Far Cry 3. You have him be this like totally off his rocker macho big dude that like, oh, I'm sorry, man. Were my, were my henchmen in the way? And then he like, you know, bangs their skulls together. Be like, dude, like, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I just got like a new service for it. Like everybody's so rude, blah, blah, like crazy, funny, evil. Yes. That, that, that's how you're going to do it. And I agree. you're welcome. Um, I will take my check in the mail. You can reach out to me via email. Um, that's the only way I'm going to accept it. Correct. I agree. Other than that, no. That's my that's my big 
my big thing on it. So, I mean, I love The Rock. Not this time. We're not doing it. All right. Sorry, bud. Yeah. Next, Jurassic World, the Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, they came out kind of, I guess they came out without a, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like a 10 minute snippet, uh, from the new movie. Uh, and it looked pretty good. All right. So from the way Jurassic World, the last one left off, lot, what's it, what's it called? Jurassic World, what? What's it called? Oh, shit. What was it fucking called? Jurassic World. I don't know. Anyways, uh, yeah, it, it, it looked it looked good visually. Fallen it, Kingdom. That's what the fuck. I know it was fucking something fucking uh, pretentious like that. Um, yeah, it, it looks good. Uh, I mean, shit. I, I was a big fan of the first Jurassic World. I thought they did, nailed it. Fallen Kingdom, not so much. So um, uh, two out of three ain't bad, I guess. That's what Meatloaf said. So let's see what happens with Jurassic World Dominion. At the very least, it looks great. So uh, well, get any opinion on the matter? I, I do. These last handful of Jurassic Park movies have drained my love for the franchise. <laughs> even Honestly, the, even the first Jurassic World? Even that one? It, it was okay. Yeah. Um, Dude, you know, Chris Pratt, good for you for making money. Um, stop fucking putting him in things, dude. I'm getting real sick of it. Yeah, shit. yeah, What's the deal? Why do you keep? Why are you so sick of sick Chris Pratt? Nah, he's just not good. He's not a good person, man. And especially, you know what did it in for me? Uh, um, the uh, Black Panther as Star Lord. Holy shit. Um, that's the way it should have been from the get go. Anyhow, um, whatever, man. Cash out. Do you? I am not interested. Like I said, this this franchise has drained me for when did the first one come out? Fifteen for seven years. <laughs> Uh, the first one in this trilogy, mm-hmm. obviously, has drained me for seven years, and it has overpromised and underdelivered. And okay, I'm, I'd agree with I'm, that. I'm leaning back on this one, man. I'm not going to go see it. Copy, copy, copy. So I got that. All right, cool. Next up, Hawkeye. So the franchise has run its or this franchise, the series season, whatever the hell they're doing with it, has run its course. Uh, have you watched it at all by chance? No, I have not. Unfortunately, we've been busy with other things on our bucket list, like shows. Sure, and movies. absolutely. So Jerry Renner is fantastic in it. Uh, I love um, Haley Steinfeld. I think she's a wonderful actress, and I think she's the future of acting as a whole. Um, and she's great. And overall, I would say it was pretty good. With that being said, it's definitely the least interesting and probably the worst live action series that they've done. Um, and probably the least necessary, but there's definitely implications that reach larger, larger things out for the future. So I guess we'll have to wait and see on those things. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, it was kind of Christmassy and related. So I thought that was kind of an interesting choice and viewpoint. Uh, I do, I do like it. It's not bad. Definitely not. Uh, probably a B minus on the scale because especially since like WandaVision and Loki were like A pluses, you know, um, I liked it, but um, definitely not the most interesting so far. Cool. Um, yeah, Loki's kind of kind of the the breadwinner for me. If you yeah. want to call it that, the golden boy. Mm-hmm. Um, really quick, before I dive into this next one, uh, seven of these items on movies, TVs, and books, uh, not including the very first two, are reprises or continuations of old franchises by the way Mm -hmm. so this is this is the way the media is going Mm -hmm. we're gonna keep beating that dead horse back to life Mm -hmm. okay so let's talk midnight mass um do you like stephen king he's okay yeah yeah um holy shit midnight (laughs) mass is let let me open this up uh swinging dicks because this is the only way i'm gonna get my point across this is the best netflix horror original period um stranger things does not compete 
um, a lot of a lot of Netflix's original catalog period does mm-hmm. not come close to midnight mass midnight mass is a story of a priest who goes to a small fishing town off the coast of maine guess what this is inspired by stephen king there you go you got it it is phenomenal um couple of things it is seven episodes they're an hour apiece and mm-hmm. it tells a full complete story no bullshit no um like uh you know post credit blah 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 it is a complete good fundamental story um it tells the story of a new priest who comes back to this fishing town uh, to take over the old priest who's uh ill right and that's one of our main characters the other main character is this kid who moved out of this fishing town uh to go live in new york he got a dui his life was ruined now he has to move back in with his parents and sort of start his life brand new we see crazy fucking shit unfold in these seven episodes Mm -hmm. um so first of all this thing is a is oh masterpiece chef's kiss it is so good literally by the end of it my girlfriend and i were sitting on the couch trying not to fucking cry the ending is that beautiful (laughs) no and i'm not even playing with you i know i've said that about a lot of things literally like speechless like we had to exit like the office that you know my theater set up in and go into the kitchen sort of like you know stretch get some air calm down a bit decompress because it was thick it was good it was heavy if you like salem's lot you're gonna fucking love this because this takes a lot of drawn inspiration um dude honestly i i can talk all day about this thing i could talk about the symbolism the meaning the this and that and how this played out i don't want to ruin anything for you though so you should go fucking watch it but i'll tell you this out of anything on netflix's catalog this this is the thing you should be paying attention to it's the same dude who made uh um the, the murder on murder hill house thing whatever right mm-hmm. it was the same director uh this this is the one you want to watch his next project is uh death in the house of usher which is a uh edgar Allan poe piece uh-huh. i am incredibly excited for that after watching this it is an a plus in my book it is heavy it is dark it is bloody it is it will subvert your expectations and it'll take you on a crazy fucking trip and if you have any connections to the catholic church whatsoever you should watch this because it will boil your goddamn blood (laughs) all right cool excellent go watch it for real okay cool um we went out and saw tragedy of Macbeth. okay so so if you have apple tv uh, i believe this is on there Mm -hmm. um so when's the last time you read the uh the book (laughs) yeah probably sophomore junior year probably yeah yeah, uh, same same for me. I'm not a Shakespearean kind of, you know, I'm yeah. not a thespian, as they would say. It's boring um, to me, if I'm being honest. Denzel fucking Washington. Holy shit. He played uh, Duncan in the in the movie. Okay. So good. Um, so first of all, it's in black and white. It was shot on, I want to say, 35 millimeter film. So it gives you that nice graininess that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, it. I mean, what do you want me to say? It follows the book. It is a good rendition of the book, in my opinion. And Denzel, god damn, really, really put out for this role. Okay. And um, I, I think it's easy to say that he's just a generally well-liked actor, right? Okay. Like, there's no contest contestion to that. Um, Murdered it really, really fucking well. And this is a killer piece. Honestly, if you want something as close to the original work without reading the original work this is the way to go it's obviously in in set in like you know ye old english ass language but yeah. like once you get past the first 30 minutes you'll be okay but it, it was a great watch mm-hmm. um really really good i love the way they did the uh the three witches the three hags mm-hmm. um that was genuinely creepy 
Okay. Um, but solid, like B, solid B movie. Breaking news from Second City Kids: Denzel Washington is a great actor. <laughs> I, we, we've seen him do so many good roles, like Book of Eli, and yeah, so yeah, on and so forth, for sure. right? And uh, Training, Training Day, Day yeah, it's usually the yeah, one that and, and, and so many of like the the macho dude. Um, but in classic thespian theater he still murders it which yeah. shouldn't be a surprise but it's a delightful one because the, this is the first time i've seen him do a role like this hmm. that's okay. all cool fair enough cool uh we also went out and saw a movie called licorice pizza yeah so tell me about is, this because i want to watch i wanted to i was kind of curious about this so it's a paul thomas anderson piece set in the 70s, 70s it's yeah. sort of a, a coming of age story where this uh high school kid falls in love with uh and there's no way around this she is a grown-ass woman she is 25 years of age okay um, and sort of the story revolves around them pursuing, not pursuing each other. Will they, won't they? Uh, it's a rom-com. Uh, a couple, couple of things I'll say about this. I was excited for this movie and I'm glad we went to go see it in theaters. Uh, the comedy is really fucking good. Like the jokes land. Okay. Um, there's like just goofy situations like, uh, Bradley Cooper's in it for a couple minutes. Absolutely steals the, the scene. Sean Penn is in it for a while. Absolutely steals the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the music is solid, and here's what I'll say about this movie. This movie is one of those where you are taking aesthetic and vibe over the plot. Mm-hmm. Because if we're being frank, the plot is they fall in love or they don't fall in love, and they chase each other. And sort of the bullshit that happens in between. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're still interested, I recommend you go see it. I didn't love the movie. Okay. Uh, I didn't hate it, and you know everybody in the car sort of had their own qualms with it mm-hmm. it's like a c for me man okay it, it, it's a c uh the critics dude the critics gave it like a 90 and like a what? 98 on rotten tomatoes and you know if you like the movie go for that but i had some sort of fundamental fundamental issues with it that being said if you have any interest in seeing it i i encourage you go support a local theater go watch it um, because your opinion might be totally different than mine. I mm-hmm. just don't think I vibed with it as much. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And like I said, it's a, it's a C tier. Uh, I, I kind of told my girlfriend, I was like, I'm glad we went to go see this in theaters. Cause I'd be really pissed if I bought it on Blu-ray and this was it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you got nothing better to do, go watch it, I guess. Sure thing. Sure thing. Cool. Uh, Suspiria. Suspiria is a movie on Amazon, if you got Prime, it is readily available. It is actually a remake of a 1977 Spanish film about a... And hang on, you're going to love this premise, right? It is a... It, it markets itself as a dance academy where it's a ballet film, right? Or okay. not ballet, but it's a, it's a dance film. But uh, the owners and the teachers at the academy are witches, and it's a fucking coven, and their giant uh, dance is a ritual. Gotcha. Uh, pretty cool premise. Uh, my girlfriend loved it. She she was re- very much about it. It is uh, shocking. It is occultish. It is uh, a a gore fest towards the end. If oh, I'm being okay. honest, cool. It's a pretty pretty solid watch. Um, for me, it's got to be like a B tier. But if we're going off of my my girlfriend's word, she she loved it. She said it was an A for her. Um, I think it's worth the watch. I think it's worth diving into if you're curious. Um, and it, it definitely does a lot of fun cinematic stuff, a lot of good camera work, a lot of really good solid symbolism, and it, it's worth your time if you have nothing else to put on. I recommend it. It's a pretty solid, I wouldn't call it a full-blown horror, but a horror thriller, if you want to call it that, thriller okay. horror. Okay. Uh, yeah, check it out. It's called Suspiria. It's a 2019-2020 film. It's fairly recent, so. Cool. Uh, next one. 
the French Dispatch is a Wes Anderson movie. Uh, now, I, I like my Anderson. Um, I don't love my Anderson, okay. but I do like him. I picked it up, and here's the premise. It is uh, a company called the French Dispatch that does uh, newspaper, right? They like write articles. And so everybody on staff, as you're sort of introduced to them, are writers. They have their own voice, and they like covering different topics. And, of course, uh, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, you know, your typical Anderson actors are in here. Mm-hmm. And here's how it unfolds. Uh, in the very opening shot, they tell you Bill Murray's character, who owned the company, is dead. Okay. And the movie is told through flashbacks of the stories. So, the like, Owen Wilson's character did a whole uh, sort of city-centric piece about this town in France and what is it like to bike through it and sort of describes the ambiance and the atmosphere within that town. And it's sort of Owen Wilson going through and narrating the story as it unfolds before our very eyes. It's very quirky. It's very fun. And there's, I think, three or four different stories that unfold. Some of them I like a lot more than others. Um, it, it's it's good. If you like Anderson, if you like Fantastic, if you like um, Life Aquatic, if you liked Moonrise Kingdom, if you liked any of those films, this is definitely worth the watch. Um, it, it's it's up there in terms for me in regards to his filmography. I haven't quite decided where yet. Okay. It is it is enjoyable. It is palatable. It is it's nice because if you don't like one story, here comes a totally different story written in a totally different voice, and yeah. that's the beauty of it. You don't have to love it as a whole. You can love individual pieces of it. And I think there's something for everyone in this film. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry if you guys hear my kid banging on the door. Don't know why she's doing that, but uh, I'm gonna hopefully get. I don't, yeah, she wants me to peel her orange. Uh, I'll do it in a minute, Sana. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Next up, uh, Return to Hogwarts. Uh, this is the HBO Max special. Yeah, it's the uh, 20 year anniversary. Have you seen it? I have. Okay, I don't want to talk too much about it because I watched half of it and then I got yelled at because, oh, you're watching it without me? Um, so I'm going to keep this light and airy and sort of spoiler free. Sure. If you grew up on the Potters, you need to watch this. I don't care what book came out after The Deathly Hollows. I don't care what media came out after it. If you are nostalgic for the franchise and you want to see where everyone is, this is the thing to do. And this is coming from a guy who owns all the films with the, you know, the whole separate-ass bonus disc, with the interviews, the behind-the-scenes, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. This is what you want to watch okay. because this thing will suck you in. And it does it on a like a chapter basis. So it's the first two films and the next mm-hmm. two and the next two and the next two and so on and so forth. Uh-huh. Um, it's going to pull you in. It's going to make you teary-eyed. And it's going to make you want to watch, rewatch everything. The the biggest thing, and again, this is only from watching half the fucking thing because apparently she wanted to watch it out of the blue. Um, the thing is, is as the characters are going through that point in their life and they're showing the flashbacks, the behind the scenes, the bloopers. Uh-huh it's really easy to remember where you were at your point in time in your life when you watched these movies as they were coming out and the nostalgia, this movie simply drips of it uh-huh. and um, it gets emotional and it's, it's, it's pretty solid. I haven't fucking finished it. I feel like I got to say that, but y- you got to do it. I already okay. know this has got to be, this is going to be one of those things where you either watch this first and rewatch everything or you rewatch everything and then watch this last. Okay. That is my half movie review because uh, she's at work right now and I wanted to watch it today. Actually, you and I have kind of a different opinion on this. Oh, yeah? I thought this was tremendously underwhelming. Really? Tremendously. I, I didn't. I mean, it was fine. Uh, but like as far as reunions go, this is like 
the third best that I've seen on HBO Max. I think French Prince, the uh, Fresh Prince re, uh, reunion was better. And I think the Friends reunion was better. Um, this was our, it was good. I mean, like I said, but a lot, a lot of the stuff I've already seen, you know, like you said, I, I also am the one who has all the extra disc and all the behind the scenes stuff. And it's good to get them to have some kind of retrospective on what they went through. And cause what they went through was probably something that'll never be done ever again. I mean, how many fucking, how many fucking p- p- actors sign up for basically an eight and eight movie saga? Essentially, you know, it doesn't happen all that often. Um, so the kind of the their their introspective on it was kind of cool, but to me, I I just didn't learn anything new. Really, okay. really, you know, um, it it was fine. Uh, I'm the only thing that I'm glad that we saw a little bit more of was like their last day of shooting, but like, you know, nothing nothing new. Uh, I thought it was fine, and I think you know if you're a Harry Potter fan, you kind of have to watch it. Um, but. I don't know. wasn't blown away by it, so I think it's kind okay. of interesting how you and I have different opinions on that. Maybe, maybe my uh, maybe I, my opinion is skewed because I've. Because um, uh, I'm sorry. Did I mention that I've only seen half of it? Um, <laughs> Perhaps it's the forbidden fruit situation you got going on, where you're just like, I want it more because I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, maybe maybe my opinion will, will change <laughs> upon completion. But yeah, maybe. That's, that's my thoughts halfway sure. through, and I hate I hate fucking segmenting. <laughs> if the movie is four hours long, if we're watching Godfather, I'm gonna go pee. I'm gonna go pee again immediately after I pee because the couple of fucking drops are gonna turn into a river. I'm gonna get four buckets of popcorn ready, and I'm gonna have all my snacks, or we're gonna sit down and watch it. I'm not pausing the goddamn Godfather. Anyway, I agree. We're getting up. Uh, so yeah, uh, pretty pretty thick in the movie. The thickest apartment. Um, let's get into gaming. Uh, pretty short one, and then yes. we'll do the music stuff. So sure. start us off with Bioshock Isolation. So uh, apparently the next Bioshock has been announced and given a title. So Bioshock 4 Isolation. Now, with that being said, hold up. I have not finished all the Bioshock games, okay? I do have the remaster, and I do plan on going through it. Maybe going through it on stream now that I have everything kind of set up the way that I want. Uh, so, you know... I think the Bioshock name automatically brings a certain level of gravitas and large expectations. I know it has its own gravity. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely one of those bigger titles in all of gaming that people, people love this franchise. Like they care deeply uh, about it. So I think it's good news for gaming overall. I mean, Bioshock four obviously brings a lot of, brings a lot of eyes and ears back to gaming. So, uh, you know, just announced nothing crazy, nothing big, nothing new, but, uh, it is coming down the pipeline, I'm sure, within the next couple of years. So keep your eye out for that. Kobians, uh, The Last of Us Remastered. So very obviously, I put this one on here, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, they are remastering slash director's cut. That's what we're being told of The Last of Us, the OG, the greatest game ever made, in my opinion. Um, sure. That's <laughs> basically my opinion. So what I'm hearing is that they're doing a lot of extra storylines that apparently that they cut uh, because some of them are related to the TV show that's supposed to be dropping soon as well. Um, I mean, whatever. All right. Um, I think if you look back at maybe The Last of Us now, some of the gameplay feels a little clunky. And I think that's one of the unspoken things about Last of Us Part 2 is that it definitely refined the gameplay uh, and added some cool new features to it, depending on how you feel about the story. But um, cool, I guess, you know, more of Last of Us 2. But I can't help but feel that it's kind of a last grasp kind of attempt to get back on gamers' good side. 
Um, because The Last of Us 2 was a very uh, controversial, divided opinion, right? So um, I guess we'll see. Um, I'm probably going to play it. Probably. I will play it. Um, just because it's my favorite game of all time. But again, I can't help but feel that they're just grasping to keep this thing relevant. If that makes sense. Sure, uh, I gotcha. Yeah, so, you know, we'll wait and see, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Next! Oh. Uh, Jesus. Sorry. New Warzone map, Caldera. People are fucking freaking out about this, okay? Um, I don't know why. I don't know why people want Verdansk back so, back so goddamn bad. We played it for fucking two years. It's time to fucking move on, all right? The fucking map sucked by the end. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Just because you can't sit on a building and camp your ass off and wait to the end doesn't mean this map is bad. Fuck! Man, it's one of those things. Get on my goddamn nerves. Everybody's a whiny, cry little bitch. Shit changes, man. It has to. All right? Not saying the map is perfect. Not saying it. It's definitely fun, though. And I definitely feel like it's more fairly balanced than the other one. But, uh, yeah, that's my little rant. Because I can't stand people who are just bitching about it because it's not the same thing as it was before. So what do you want? You want something new or do you want the same shit? God damn it. That's my opinion. <laughs> solid. Solid, solid, solid. Um, I got a game from 2015 on here. Yeah. Uh, I finally got around to it. Hey. Uh, do you know anything about this? Okay, so is this related to the Souls games? It is the same company as it's from Soft that did this. Is it like story wise related or not? No, no okay. it is a, it is its own standalone. Okay. It is um set in uh England somewhere. Well it's supposed to be England, right? Mm-hmm. Um and it is a uh, it, it is is really good, is what it is. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is it is a Lovecraftian take okay. on the traditional Oh Jesus Christ in London. That scared what? the fuck out of me, yo. What? Your mic just fucking distorted hardcore, and it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, you know, uh, the squid overlords. Yeah, yeah, no that. shit, dude. Fucking um, Christ, keep going, sorry. So I I, I picked it up because I was craving something, um, and I bought the DLC. Sure. I'm about 90% of the way through it, and I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I already love the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I am obsessed. And you know <laughs> You know me. I, I either commit fully or I don't, right? So did, either... my, my only question is, did you buy a hat already? Uh, no, not yet. It is <laughs> definitely in the works. Um, he, he, here's my thing. Um, and I know you're not about the Souls games. I am not. Um, it is it is free if you have PS Plus. Oh. Um, and to my understanding, uh, this isn't my opinion on it um, because – Obviously, I, I started with a Souls game. Mm-hmm. If you do not like the Souls games, this is the one you start with. Okay. It, it is very... Um, it, this game forces you to play aggressive. That, okay. That's what it is. And coming from a Souls background, it's very much like a uh, take a hit or two, uh, hide behind my shield, or like scurry away for a bit. Uh-huh. Uh, no, this game forces you into the fucking action. And there, the, and I looked this up. Here's how the AI works. If the, if the AI sees you fucking healing, they are programmed to fuck up your day, man. And if that doesn't scream you need to play aggressive, I don't know what does. Um, okay. I would love to see you fucking live stream. Why? 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 Why are you trying to torture me? Um, because it's not torture. It's about overcoming obstacles and getting good. Because this game gives you the tools, all the tools. It can be as easy as hard as you as you want it to be, and that's uh-huh. the core premise. Um. 
it is terrifying. It is um, it, it sets the mood really fucking well. There's been more than one occasion um, where I've jumped out of my fucking seat. Um, <gasps> I'll tell you this: the scariest enemies in this game are the crows because okay. they are like German shepherd-sized crows. They don't do a whole ton of damage, but the way the audio is mixed, they come first and foremost. They are right in your face when they fucking start screaming and sweet baby Jesus, it's terrifying. <laughs> um, personally, I think this game appeals to a lot of the things I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, sort of the existential horror, Lovecraftian nightmare kind of vibe yeah. mixed in with uh, ye old English kind of, oh, we have to hunt them, bloody. You know, that was not, that was not, a terrible English. Yeah, that's accent, not great. Sorry. Um, it's kind of Scottish, actually, for being yeah, honest. Yeah, there we go. I, I was channeling my last D&D character, and he was sort of a, a, a Scottish dude. Okay. Um, <laughs> that being said, it is free if you have PS Plus. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, the game is an absolute blast, and I don't even... If the PlayStation had a, hey, how many hours have you sunk into this game? Um, I'm not even done with it, and it's probably already a really embarrassing amount. <laughs> so... I would recommend checking it out to anyone who has any passing interest. And like I said, if it's free, if you don't like it, if you if you get up to the first boss and you beat him and you're like, you know what, not for me, that's fine. But at least give it a roll. All right, I'll I'll make a vow to you that I will do it as long as you hang out in the chat with me the whole yeah, time. Yeah, fuck it, I'll hang out in the chat with you. <laughs> yeah, we, we can tango. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know then. I'll definitely I'm gonna add it to my list because. Uh, you know, at the very least, like you said, try to get to the first boss and see what happens. Uh, also, really small, funny quip. Um, you can tell I've been obsessed because uh, my girlfriend was like, oh, well, maybe if I was a fucking monster, you'd pay more attention. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Shots yeah, fired. So, so <laughs> sure. She, but she knows, she knows I dig it. All right. Okay. So you ready for uh, music news and reviews? Sure. Uh, Collection, not really, because I've only listened to about half of this stuff. But keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're we're going to have to uh, pull some of these over to next week because I don't remember what I was going to say <laughs> a lot of them. Uh, so first and foremost, goodbye to Gulch. Uh, they finished their farewell tour. They put on a good set live. Uh, sounded great. Sort of, I guess. Uh, I thought they sounded good. A lot of these Gulch fans were like, oh, they sounded better a few years ago. It's Who like, cares? It, Jesus fucking Christ. I was like, I don't control what your favorite band does in their off time. No shit, know, man. You. Fucking A. Um, put on a killer show. Really nice dudes. Um, sure. Uh, and yeah, it was at the Bottom Lounge. I, I heard people talking. Some people straight up drove from Kansas cool. to go to this show in Chicago. So dedicated following. Like I said, that sets up on the channel. Uh, check it out or don't. I don't care. What is the name uh, of that channel, Gabe? Gabe, what is just it people is, uh, find it? It's photos by Jabril. It's J A H B R E A L. But we got but, like a, you know, we got Silent Planet up there. But but, uh, but we got Dolch. But it's it's but, tech, but, but but it's it's videos by Jabril. Yeah, I know. I, I, know. <laughs> I know. That's uh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you've witnessed it here, folks. I'm putting the cameras down for good, and I am. I'm self-immolating because this is the only way to, to pay penance for my sins. But sure. anyway, uh, yeah, they posted a, a thing with uh, Harambe and one of their album covers, and it was like 2017 to 2022, and I thought it was hilarious. But yeah, goodbye. Um, you know, whether you like them or not, uh, you you cannot deny that they made a, a big impact on hardcore in the last five. Sure. Sure. No problem. Definitely. Cool. All right. So uh, we have quite the, the long list of certified bangers. And like I said, I've listened to about half. Now, also, we do have two bands on here, Fit for an Autopsy and Under Oath, who both dropped albums this week. Yeah. 
So I'm thinking that we pull them off this list and do full blown album reviews the next time for the for yeah. the pod. Also, also since I got you on air, we gotta do our year in review. Um, so uh, dreading this. Yeah. So. Um, you could throw that on for next week, uh, or the next show, which I'm actually planning on doing soon, uh, sooner than what we have been, because I want to do the year in review. It's probably be a shorter episode, especially when it comes to shit like concert of the year. You went to a lot more than I did. I think I only went to one. So, you know, shit like that. I want to get it done. Um, so with that, um, you know, we'll go through the bangers that we're probably not going to talk about going before that, but we do have to talk about it. So um, let's go ahead and get through some of these. So the Amity Affliction, Give Up the Ghost. Uh, they've also dropped another subsequent track since then. I have not listened to that one, but I did listen to this one. And I actually liked it quite a bit. Um, I think it harkens back to kind of the, their, you know. Um, the chasing ghost, Sarah? <laughs> yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? That's exactly what yeah, it is. Yeah, a little bit of the older version of them that is definitely better. So I did like the chorus. They know, and again, I mentioned this. Regardless of how I feel about some of their newer stuff, these boys know how to write a fucking chorus, right? So um, definitely, if you're a fan of the older style Amity Affliction, definitely check this out because you will definitely dig it the most. What are your opinion? Yeah, I mean the track was good. Um, I, I guess my, I, I guess here's my thing, right? Like they tread into a new sort of direction for the band themselves, sure. right? Yeah. And then, uh, well, I mean, you know what happened? They weren't doing quite as well, and so they decided to backtrack. And I'm kind of on the fence about the the commitment level because Bring Me the Horizon committed, right? Yeah. They said no, no, fuck it. It's what we doing now, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I like old Amity. And then there's that face between, like, um, after Let the Oceans Take Me up until now, where I'm, it's, it's a lot of mixed feelings mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah. Um, so the track is good, though. If you if you don't give a shit about that stuff, go check it out. I mean, it's a banger, right? Sure. These these guys know how to write a chorus, period. It's, it's what it is. And they know how to supplement that chorus with a lot of meat in the instrumentals mm-hmm. and uh, the breakdowns here and there. Correct. Um, solid track. That, that's my only qualm. Uh, Pillars of Ivory dropped the track called L.O.W. Uh, Pillars of Ivory is a band that is uh, first on this podcast, if I'm okay. not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they've been around for a bit. Uh, really, really good, chuggy, grimy. Um, put that on your workout playlist. You won't regret it. Uh, Hate Five Six actually also dropped a, a set of theirs from a while back. So I would check that out. This is a band we got to pay more attention to. That is That is what I will leave it at. Pillars of Ivory, you said. Okay. Yep. I'll definitely download the song now because I haven't listened to it yet. Cool. And then Four Years Strong dropped uh, Myvek. Um, did we say this is a reprisal of, well, was it like an acoustic version of one of the older songs? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Four Years Strong. Let me let me pull it up to verify because I know we did the album review off of uh, Brain Pain and we both liked it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so this is not an acoustic version. This is off the bonus disc. Okay. It is. So there's two new tracks, Myvek and Pipe Dream, and then they have the uh, Bittersweet Symphony to close it off, and then they have a bunch of acoustic covers and remixes in between those three tracks. Yeah. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I, I know they're grown-ass men with, like, you know, being dads and shit, like living the, the, the dad life. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Please go on tour. Please drop more music. I feel like I need more. Aren't, they, strong in aren't my life. they on tour right now? 
Who are they on tour with? So weren't they on tour with like Silverstein or something like that recently? I'm pretty sure they were. Let me let me look that up real quick. Keep the conversation going. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, they actually just finished a tour December 30th in Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, Who did they play with at that show, Gabe? Because I'm looking at it right now. Uh, you tell me. I don't have the list. Counterparts and in spirit. Oh yeah, and keep flying. Cool. Yeah. Um. Anyway, my wish was granted, and I didn't even know it. Uh, <laughs> so, a really quick, a really quick, fun stat because I'm looking at the uh, the song kick stats with them. Yeah. Uh, what is what is the band? Do you think that they've toured the most with? The band that they have toured the most with, uh, like all time. Yeah. Oh man, who have they toured with a lot that I can recall? I have the top five up here. Go ahead, shoot, go ahead, shoot. Uh, number one, apparently 246 shows with Every Time I Die. Okay, I can believe that. I, I wonder how many of that is Warped Tour crossover. Probably a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Made a Parade, 232. Okay, yeah. Little less surprised by that. Wow. Really? Uh, motionless and white, 166. That's fucking. That's weird. That's probably a level warped to our crossover too, though. And this last one's gonna weird you out. Chelsea Grin, 155 shows. That's interesting. That's they gotta be warped to our crossover too, man. Uh, has to I, be. I'm thinking. I'm thinking most of these are warped to our crossovers. I think they fit in really well with like every time I die. They, um, I think they fit pretty well with fucking everybody. If I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they're just the warped tour band, right? Yeah. Um, but most played in L.A. Uh, Chicago is number fourth, right above Detroit and right below NYC. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. For your strong MyVec, check it out. I know we're a little late to the party. Sure. Uh, so there's a band called Jingul, and they dropped a track called Pleonexia. Oh my god, this is nasty. It is dirty. Do you remember, um, you remember what I would compare, like, songs and albums to when you get your ass whooped in Mortal Kombat X? Yes. This, this. <laughs> it just makes me want to resurrect that, um, that like vein of metaphors and we'll get into vein later but anyway I, <laughs> good one. Good yeah one. We'll, check it out it is an absolute banger next one uh eskimo call boy uh they are doing say what you want i will they they're doing a better version of what attack, attack i fucking was. knew it you were gonna say and, that and hang, on, hang on hang on hang on i don't want to compare them but uh, some of my coworkers come to me for music recommendations and the topic of attack attack came up and you know, I gave them the spiel. I was like, attack attack is doing what attack attack does best pissing people off because mm-hmm. the music, the new music just ain't cutting it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you want a better alternative, check out Eskimo cowboy, Callboy, sorry. And, um, and he's like, wow, this is like attack attack, but like actually good. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> if you like someday came suddenly or any of the, you know, further stuff, you should check him out. Let's go come. If you're, if you're one of those strange people who like somebody suddenly, somebody came suddenly. <sighs> I have two different pressings of it on vinyl, so I think you know where I stand. Uh, keep going. Um, it, it, that being said, the, the metal bits are properly fucking sure. They, they took their time. So so strange. Keep going. Cool. And then the last one, Vane. Uh, I'm sorry, the band formerly known as Vane, now known as Vane.fm. Yeah, what the fuck is that? I'm so so weirded out by that. Keep going. I, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> Did you listen to this one? Uh, no, because I was so confused. I'm like, is this actual? And I never listened. Yeah, I, yeah. They, they switched their name about a year ago. Why? Why? Okay. I don't know. Is it it's, is it a copyright thing? It keeps the people going. I don't know <laughs> if it's a copyright thing. Uh, all I know is that they switched it. Um, No idea. Uh, so they dropped a track called The Killing Womb. Sure. If you want to talk about albums that I'm hyped for in 2022, 
this is like number one. This track is insane. It, it, okay, you should listen to it for the fucking mix and the mastering because it is so goddamn nasty, dirty, fucking good. <laughs> it is like having a shot of Jack with your fucking black coffee in the morning. God damn, it is good. Okay. Um, no, but for real, I think we liked Vane when they came out with mm-hmm. Arizona quite a bit, that they were doing weird, cool, new, interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pushing that envelope, and it, in fact, that envelope does not exist anymore. It is a, it is a howler from Harry Potter, you know? Jesus Christ. That except it's, it's not Ron's mom. It's the fucking vocalist. Yeah. Uh, you should listen to it. Okay. I, I know I'm, I'm not being particularly convincing this time with the, with the bangers of the week, but you should listen to it. <laughs> just listen, just listen to them. <laughs> you should trust me because I feel like I've given really solid recommendations over the years. You've given some good ones. Yeah. So, uh, but be on the lookout for that. Um, most anticipated confirmed announced album 2022. Mm. Yes, for me. I know that was a mouthful, but yeah, you get the point for sure. And all right. All right. Wow. That was, that was, a, that was an episode. That My was, fucking pipes hurt after that episode. Yeah. Man. That was an hour 40, probably our longest episode in a while. And in I, a while. Yeah. I know we've done two and some change before. See, it was funny. Cause I was thinking about going like beforehand, going into it, be like, okay, well, we're also going to tie in our, our year in review well, stuff, but no. yeah, that would have been about two and a half hours. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so I do plan on doing Another episode within maybe this week, maybe by the end of the, uh, the week that we're about to start. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a cute little 40-minute banger. Yeah, something, something quick, something sweet, just to kind of get it out there and have it done. Uh, you know, we'll have it out for you probably within the next week or so. So definitely wait for that. You know what? I feel like this time around it's going to be harder because um, not last year, but every year before that, we had a running track of – Hey, these are my top five. Yes. And it was very much like a, well, shit, one might move up or down or something might come up very last minute and yeah. snub a spot. Uh, but now it's like, I got to like really sit down and see what came out in the past year. Yeah. I have a couple of ideas, but not like a top five anymore. Yeah. T- time is just blurred. COVID's really fucked up my, my sense of timing uh, as far as like when shit came out and all that. So uh, definitely, I'm definitely in the same boat as you with, with that. I had to check it to see. I'm like, well, did this actually come out in 2021 or did I think it came out in 2021 or did it come out December of 2020? You know, that whole situation. So yeah. uh, definitely going to go through some of that and uh, all of that. So thank you guys for joining us again. Don't forget to check out Gabe's Photos by Jabril YouTube channel uh, where, you know, if you want to maybe request a band for him to go ahead and record and if they're cool with it, maybe he can go ahead and do that. Don't forget to check out The Villain Empire on Facebook. We will be dropping that shirt and hoodie soon. I promise you. I'm sorry for the hangups. I do have people actually like physically waiting for me to drop this. Uh, but, you know, i got to make sure the shit's quality. That's the most important thing to me. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be real good. Definitely, definitely. Definitely excited for that. You guys know the deal. Check out everything else that we got. Um, you know, we're out and about. And again, we will, I promise, 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 we'll have the year in review episode out this week at some point. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to get this year going. Hopefully the news ramps up a little bit more. So me and Gabe can do the show a little bit more regularly than we have done in the last two years, but. It is what it is. As the news comes, we'll do shows, I promise. Yeah. With that being said, thank you guys for joining us for episode 176. 176. Of the Second City Kids podcast, and we'll see you next week for 177. 177. 77. <laughs> <laughs> How do I boof it? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, but thank you guys for joining us, and until next time, deuces.